Hey, everybody. Hi. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Joe and Scott's currently untitled Steely Dan Project. We're going to find it. We're going to find the title. It's going to be organic. It's going to be great. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, I am Scott Beckett. Here with me is Joe McElhaney. And also producer Dakota. Hello. Uh, cool. Um, uh, Joe and I have decided to get together and do a podcast about uh, Steely Dan. Yes. Uh, this started uh, because uh, Joe and I are acquainted with each other through the Coalition Theater here in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, through uh, through Im- the art of improvisatory comedy. <laughs> uh, we did some time together uh, in a group called uh, the Johnsons, uh, yes. sort of, I guess I would call us like inactive reserves at this point. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Joe and I were on the Johnsons together, got to know each other a little bit, uh, a bit so uh, we bump into each other at the theater from time to time. Uh, and, uh, the last time or a couple of times ago, uh, recently at the theater, uh, Joe said, Hey, I read a pod- uh, I read an article about Steely Dan. Have you seen it? Yeah. And I, it was more like, I th- was going to maybe send you this thing, but then I just didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and from that, uh, a beautiful new project was born. Yeah. Uh, as, as, as is, uh, uh, frequently the case, I had a couple of beers while we were at the theater. So I went from, Oh, thank you for sharing this lovely article with me to, do you want to be best friends forever? And let's do a podcast. And luckily Joe did want to be best friends forever and do a podcast. You, you did message me the next day <laughs> saying, uh, I was serious about doing that podcast unless, unless you weren't serious. In which case I was totally joking. Why would you think that I would say <laughs> something like that? I did send that text. Yeah. I did send that text. Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, and also I have to make a, a dramatic reveal. Uh, we are in, uh, Dakota's, uh, fabulous studio here in Oregon Hill, Virginia. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's a lovely place. We've got some killer equipment here. Uh, it's a little warm if you're wearing a hoodie, which I am. So it seems take like it a off. weird choice. Take it so off. So I'm going to take it off. There's there's a reason I've been uh, uh, wearing this hoodie. This is a dramatic reveal. I want you to know this was a surprise for me yesterday. This is unplanned by me, uh, but now it's a surprise for you. I want to share this surprise. Oh, shit. You want to know a double surprise? <laughs> What's that? I have that shirt, too. Oh, do you? Yes. Oh, man. I hope I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. My brother sent me this. Like, I yeah. was not expecting this at all. It showed up in the mail yesterday. We got a box on our step, and uh, my wife uh, said, I'm supposed to take pictures of you opening this. Yeah. Uh, it's so a I beautiful did. shirt. Oh, yeah. So, And for the listeners at home, uh, this is a t-shirt that looks very similar to um, the album cover for Sonic Youth's Goo, uh, yes. but instead of saying Sonic Youth, it says Seely Dan, and instead of... I forget what the actual verbiage is on Goo, but... I don't remember either. Uh, in this case, it is uh, lyrics from uh, my old school. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the um the attractive teenage boy and girl that are on the cover of goo have been replaced by uh the maybe slightly less attractive visages of uh subjective (laughs) donald fagan and 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 walter becker yeah um cool so what is this uh steely dan uh project um joe and i realize that we are both uh admirers appreciators of steely dan um and so we knew we wanted to do something about Steely Dan. We weren't sure what. So we got together uh, for a coffee date. And we have arrived at what we think is going to be uh, a workable uh, format. A pretty cool format. Yeah. yeah. We're going we're gonna to wind through the discography song by song, album by album. And uh, for each song, to make things hard on ourselves, <laughs> give, us, give us a little homework. Yep. Uh, we're going to assign one another... Another piece of what pop culture or yeah media generally I yeah. guess um, that stuff that reminds us of the song either thematically in subject matter or something even more abstract than that yeah um, 
the essence of the song. Yeah, we're gonna hold ourselves to like sort of like the improv. Like we're gonna we're gonna honor the suggestion of the song the way that improvisers honor the suggestion that we get at the beginning of a show, which is yeah. to say, like, as long as you honestly link it to something, it doesn't matter that anybody nobody else would ever be able to reverse engineer that. Right. Um, um, if you can connect uh, a song from Gaucho to a specific slice of meatloaf you've had. <laughs> I'm I'm willing to eat that meatloaf. Not only willing, I'm super excited. Like yeah. now, I'm just like hell bent on trying to figure out how to connect gaucho to meatloaf. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So that'll generally be the format. So you guys can, uh, if you are listening uh, along at home, uh, you'll always know what we will be roughly up to. Obviously, we'll we'll talk about it. Um, uh, but we're going to take them exactly as Joe said. The major label releases um, from front to back. So uh, next episode will be side one, track one of the first album. Uh, and then, uh, but we will, and we will also tee it up at the end of each episode because we will be assigning each other the homework um, that we were inspired to assign uh, by the song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, cool. Okay. Uh, so that's the show. Um, so uh, every week we'll talk about a song, but obviously this is the special episode. It's the first episode, and we didn't mm-hmm. have an opportunity to assign ourselves uh, homework before this episode. So we gave ourselves a little bit of a different mission yes. uh, for this uh, uh, episode, which was. Um, uh, I guess we know that we care about Steely Dan, and so maybe uh, one obvious question is, why should anybody else care about Steely Dan? Right. Yes. Uh, so our mission for this podcast was to uh, put together uh, our sales pitch for Steely Dan in the form of a playlist. Right. Uh, and we, it seems like we both sort of arrived at uh, a definition of that, like either under an hour or about 10 songs, somewhere around there. Yeah. Like an album length, greatest hits your version of uh, the greatest hits of, of Steely Dan that you would give to somebody if they're like, I've never heard of them. Why should I care? Right. Uh, so that's uh, uh, what we um, we're planning to uh, to do on this episode. Um, but uh, before that, I think we had uh, maybe talked about talking about like, so why do we care about Steely Dan? How did right. you come about uh, your uh, appreciation uh, for uh, the Dan? Yo, you're asking. Yeah, I am. Okay. Um, well, you, they're they've always kind of been in the background a little bit. Like yeah. if you if you grow up in your dad's playing classic rock in the car or. Yeah. Uh, you go into a Kmart. My dad used to manage Kmarts, and I specifically remember Hey 19 playing in, in a Kmart. Oh, um, man, that's incredible. Um, so there, you hear the songs in the background, but like the it's like Steely Dan, if you don't know anything about them, they can just fade into the background a little bit. Yeah. And I, I think for me, the the obsession started like i had i would listen to a few of their albums can't buy a thrill uh countdown to ecstasy and asia specifically i'd put them on once or twice a year and be like oh that was all right um but i think the moment that it clicked for me lately um it happened within the last year i was listening i found myself listening to them a lot yeah and i was like what's what's going on here and I'll get I'll get a little personal Ooh. for the listeners at home. Yeah, I was driving home one night and uh, listening to Deacon Blues. Yeah, great song, maybe my favorite Steely Dan song. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> uh, something in the song hit me really hard. And I've been I tell people about this now. I have a theory about shadow paths. Okay, all right. I'm excited to hear it. I don't even know what shadow paths are, let alone what a theory of them might be. Well, it's because I made up shadow paths. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you don't know yet. I'm so excited. But the world's about to know my theory. Mm. Um, 
We're both taking a sip at the same time. Yeah. I gotta... Yeah, this is a big... I'm hydrating, yeah. Big reveal. I want to be ready right for this. So, um, the shadow path is the life... Like, whatever your big decision in life is. Like, you come to the crossroads. Okay. The shadow path is the path not taken. Okay. Maybe not the the most novel idea in the world, but it really hit me at this point. It's a great name. Yeah. Killer branding. I love yeah. it already. Um... Yeah, yeah, fuck Robert Frost. <laughs> the hack. What a hack. He didn't have shadow path. <laughs> so, he had to he, write a whole freaking poem. You did it in two words. Right. Um, so my my big branch in life was uh, deciding to stop drinking, right? Right. So that was my shadow path. Like, what happens if I keep drinking? Yeah. You'll never be Charles Bukowski now. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank God. Um, but I, th- you know, had I had I gone down that shadow path, I right. think a pretty uh, dark existence. Yep. Um, certainly would not be recording this podcast right now. Right. And Deacon Blues is very much about a guy romancing his shadow path. Right. Saying like this, uh, it, taking the idea of being a low life, a drunk, yeah. a, a, a scumbag, and thinking like this. This is the way to go, you know? This is... I can't be a winner. Yeah. So I'm going to fucking lose so hard that it's legendary. Yeah. Um, And I was driving around at night listening to Deacon Blues. Yeah. And I get in these periodically, these phases where I start thinking like, well, maybe I don't really have problems with substances. Maybe I could. Right. And while listening to that song, this whole shadow path thing clicked for me. Mm -hmm. Like... And ever since then, I definitely listened to Steely Dan through the lens of, like, I mean, their songs are about addicts and losers and people who keep fucking themselves (laughs) over again and again. And I find it relatable, but I'm also can look at it with detachment, which I think they do, too, even though Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure both of them had their struggles with uh, substance. Yeah. and once that clicked for me, it's like, yeah, give me that fucking Steely Dan all the time. <laughs> like, it's it's it speaks to the soul. Yeah. You know? um, I hope that was coherent. No, uh, totally, yeah. absolutely. I know it makes all the sense in the world because I, th- I think like Deacon Blues, like both. I think there's two things. One, Deacon Blues was like one of their bigger singles. I feel like, and I'm like, um, maybe this is a great point to insert our disclaimer that yes. neither Joe and I are experts uh, about anything, let alone yeah. Steely Dan yeah. musically or historically or biographically. We have like consumed a bit of information about Steely Dan because we enjoy them more than the average bear. But like, we are not here to tell you like, well, have a seat, kid. Uh, uh, Professor uh, Joe and Professor Scott are here to lecture you uh, about the uh, the real life facts uh, of Steely Dan. No, we're just like two fans um, uh, of the band um, and uh, felt like sharing our enthusiasm uh, for the band and giving ourselves like, I think, a bit of a project, uh, a reason to hang out, yeah. a reason to engage with uh, uh, the Dan a little more. Um, so uh, that disclaimer aside, which is to say I have no idea. Well, I'm like 60 percent sure that Deacon Blues was a single. It was a single. Yeah. 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 It got played on the radio. And yeah. for those like for those of you that don't know, like you think you don't know this song, it's the one with the line uh, they call Alabama the Crimson Tide. Uh, and then the next line is call me Deacon Blues, which is where the title comes from. For, for me, the, the line that. That I would remember uh, is the drink scotch whiskey yep. all night long and die behind the wheel. Yeah, exactly. So it got played a lot on the radio, and I think because, like, right, it was a very kitsch, uh, catchy, not kitschy, maybe 
catchy thing. Maybe catchy, <laughs> but very catchy um, chorus. Um, so I think like it grabs that, and it's like it's um, it's maybe like I agree with your thing about like who knows to what extent Donald and Walter ever had these feelings, or, or mm. like you know whether they were sort of making fun of somebody in that position or like identifying with somebody in that position. It's hard to tell, and I think that's half the point. And yeah, exactly. one of the reasons that we like the Dan, but like it is like one of the like if you sort of take it from the perspective of the the perspective of the song it's sort of like the most like on the nose declarative uh sort of i guess now we'd call it emo it's just like very hard on its sleeve so it's like it, it it's easy to identify with because like it puts that it puts the identity so front and center Mm. And it's so it's so digestible. So it's just like right. If if you've ever had that moment of like, oh, I wonder if my I wish I was cooler somehow. Uh, which I, yeah, I, I think, wish I was a jazz. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's it's an easy one to grab onto, and because it's so prevalent um, relative to uh, the rest of Steely Dan, uh, it's so prevalent in the world. I think that's uh, that's one that uh, a lot of people, and certainly I, um, grabbed onto. Yeah. Uh, so that yeah. Um, and uh, so. I came to the Dan, like my dad, uh, I don't know how to, my dad's a very hard guy to categorize, but like, I think of my dad as very cool. Um, like, uh, you know, I remember like being in high school in the nineties and being like, uh, 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 Hey dad, uh, there's this new band blues traveler. And he's like, Oh yeah, I've got their like album from like two records ago when they were still on an indie label. And I was like, not that blues traveler is the coolest thing, but like, no, yeah. (laughs) But, and then like, or like, Hey dad, there's this new thing called electronic music and you're too old and lame. And he's like, yeah, here's a Brian Eno record from 1980. You're like, Oh, that is cool. (laughs) Yeah. Right. No, Brian, anyway, it's cool. Um, so, um, and my dad always had like, um, I don't know, I, I guess, I don't know if I would call my dad like a jazz head, but like he had like, Again, more jazz than the average bear. Like he, we had art, we always had Art Blakey and Charles Mingus and um, and stuff like Oscar Peterson, that kind of stuff around. Um, so it's like yeah, introduced to jazz at a very early age, um, uh, and then yeah, exactly. You said spent a lot of time listening to the classic rock stations. So you'd hear Steely Dan on the classic rock stations. And my dad had a couple of those records, um, and then um, I think the, the big one for me, my sort of the moment when it clicked in for me was um, we used to. Um, spend summers with my aunt because my aunt um, was a stay-at-home mom. Mm. Um, she had uh, my three co- my three cousins, her three kids. Um, she would she was a stay-at-home mom with them. So like during summers, we would because we were out of school, um, we would go up there. Um, my brother and I and uh, my dad gave my aunt like a nice pair of like bookshelf speakers uh, and a couple of CDs. Uh, and my aunt just like didn't really care about them. She, my aunt has like very particular taste in music. She likes broad ma- musicals and classical music, right. sort sort of like, and that's it. Uh, she's a great person. Uh, I'm going to see her on Thursday. Hey, Aunt Susie. Um, uh, but so she didn't really care about the this stuff that my dad had given her. So it it ended up in the room that I stayed in, um, and uh, the two CDs were the soundtrack to um, Tune In Tomorrow, which is like the I sound. <laughs> yeah, it's a very small movie that has like Keanu Reeves and Peter Falk, and I still haven't seen this movie. Um, it's supposedly it's like a weird movie where it's kind of like uh, there's like a I think it's like s- somewhat surreal in that there's like a it's about like people in the real world. And then there's like a soap opera that's like about like 1940s radio. What and era it, is this? It was made in like the early nineties and the whole soundtrack is, it's a great record by the way, the whole, the Wynton Marsalis did the whole soundtrack. And I think it was one of the things that sort of put Wynton Marsalis on like the outside of just jazz, but like on the popular, okay. everybody's like, Oh wow. And it, cause they said like part of this was like, you know, Wynton Marsalis was always an incredible jazz player, but like when he built this, soundtrack they were like oh he's really found his own voice like he's 
doing something unique. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's a great record, and yeah, maybe we should we should uh, we should uh, make a date and watch this movie together. Yeah, it I was going to say. Yeah, subject <laughs> for further uh, yeah. uh, research. Very middling reviews, so I'm, and it, which almost makes me more curious. Yeah. Uh, uh, about Peter watching it. Falk and Keanu Reeves. Yeah. I cannot imagine actors with more opposite <laughs> technique. Yeah. Um, I, exactly. Yeah, I got to see that. No, yeah, we got to see it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, perfect. So uh, anyway, so that was one CD. Uh, the other CD was Gaucho, Steely Dan. So I actually, like, uh, <laughs> outside of, like, you know, um, the Steely Dan that we all heard on the radio, I came at Steely Dan backwards. Yeah. I started with Gaucho, which at the time was the last record that they had released. And, and for those who don't know, Gaucho is, I want to say, a very challenging record. <laughs> it's uh, It's them in their final form uh and <laughs> yeah. it's it can be it's not where i would start yeah um, and final form is a great way to put it like if you can imagine steely dan as like the um the the evil end final boss of a japanese rpg who you have to kill and then once you've killed him he turns into some sort of like a mecha dragon angel killer of death and you have to fight him again uh, that that is what yeah what they did between like Asia and Gaucho yeah and Asia should have been the final <laughs> right. form exactly it's right. like oh it this plenty is perfect hard. they yeah. reach their final form and yeah. then Gaucho is like that that final form sheds and there's something uh, very disturbing underneath <laughs> yeah um, uh, yeah and this may be a good point like again we're not experts but it is like I think it's it's useful and interesting to have a rough sketch of. Uh, Steely Dan. Uh, this is great. Like we've been talking, we were talking off mic uh, before the show about how we've been telling people, like, oh, we're doing a Steely Dan podcast, and like, I think both of us, like, surprise, we've both been surprised by the number of people that have been like, oh, great, because I've heard of Steely Dan, but I know nothing about them. I'd be curious to learn more. Yeah. Uh, and like one specific interest of that instance of that for me was like I was talking to a guy I know a little bit, and I was like, oh, I'm doing a Steely Dan podcast. He's like, oh yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know, you know, like, like who is he? <laughs> Which I think is like a great like. Who is that guy? Yeah, who is Steely Dan? Um, yeah, I, I was talking to some some people. I was wearing the shirt that you're wearing now, mm-hmm. um, and uh, people came up to me and they were like, "Oh, I love Steely Dan." And this one guy who's uh, he's retired now, so he he comes up to me and he, um, he was like, "Yeah, Steely Dan. It's one of those bands where the first note you know who it is, yep. and you know it's going to be good." Yep. And another guy who's a little more musically knowledgeable, a little closer to my age, came up and was also talking about it. And both of them specifically cited Asia yeah. as the like a great album, right. which to me, that's like that's kind of a hardcore album. That's one that you really like delve into, and uh, it's not for beginners. Yep. But I guess, I mean. There were multiple songs on there that were singles. People yeah. heard the songs on the radio. Right. Um, there, there's a weird thing about Steely Dan where it's both challenging and esoteric, but also not Muzak, but like yeah, um, it's for mass consumption. Like that, right. they are a pop band. Right. Uh, it's pop. It's pop music in the truest sense of the word. It's weird because like they're blending pop music from like six different decades. Yeah. Uh, it's a unique combination of popular music, but it is popular. And like you, you were saying this earlier, like your dad managing a Walmart or a Kmart and it mm-hmm. being playing at Kmart. And like, I think what I, I sent you right. That, that William Gibson yeah, review yeah. of uh, two against nature where he talks about, um, yeah, like Steely Dan might be the most subversive band ever because like when you engage with it, it's very dark. It's like super like, yeah, just 
don't know, I don't, there's not a better word for it. It's dark. Yeah. Um, it deals with dark subject matter, but like, if you're not paying attention, it sounds like easy listening. Yeah. 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 You can, you can they jam get, along to it. They know? get lumped in with yacht rock all the time. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's the opposite of that, except sonically, yeah. except that like, it's way more interesting than any yacht rock band musically, except that like, if you're half paying attention, it sounds the same as the rest of it. What's the song on Gaucho that, uh, shit. Uh, when I think of Yacht Rock, this is what I th- this is what Yacht Rock should have been. It's like the It's got to be the one with the um at the wheel with his Eurasian bride. Yeah. God, what is that song called? <laughs> yeah, uh damn it. Um uh, oh, it's uh, but it's the one um it's the one it's it's uh, I'm the one, I'm the one. It's the guy um local boys spend a quarter on the sun silver bowl. Um Living Heart will take its toll. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. every song, every Steely Dan song has a line in it that yeah. like feels like it defines the whole uh, discography. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. Um, oh man, yeah. What is it? Anyway, it's like it's track two or three. Anyway, yeah, I know what song you're talking about. Yeah, it's track three because mm-hmm. yeah, um, right. Oh, Babylon Sister, Hey Nineteen, and then bleh. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I'm just gonna look it up. Yeah, you keep talking about. It, I'm gonna look it up. Um, I am curious. What other just for like frame of reference yeah. like what what's your musical Ooh. what do you usually listen to outside great of steely question. dan great question yeah so like i think like like my dad i listen to more jazz than the average bear and way less jazz than like any like anybody that could properly call themselves a jazz right. fan. but like i like i very often like put a jazz station on i listen to the um uh wdba out of chicago is a great one or um one that's a little less like bebop that's more like like old timey like rag ragtime and obviously a lot of dixieland is like there's a great station out of new orleans um wwoz um and i like i have like a again like for somebody who's not like a jazz fan like i have like a decent collection of jazz records you know i've got um kind of blue and um uh giant steps and you know like a lot of like i'm like i'm a basic bitch jazz fan yeah yeah um so i I listen to jazz um i like i was trying to think about and like this is i'm glad you brought this up because it made me think of a question i wanted to put to you but like i i like um singer songwriters especially like very narrative singer songwriters um Mm. like a a, a, an artist that i go to like you said like you find yourself like once you sort of self-identify as a steely dan fan you find yourself like periodically like having these like periods where like that's mostly what you're listening to like you're just like oh i'm gonna go like work my way through the whole discography or like i'm gonna spin this record 10 times in in the span of a week and another artist that i that happens to me because it's not that many artists but another artist that i that i do that with is ben folds okay um like i'm i i enjoy like pretty much his whole like ben folds five and his solo stuff um and like i have like ben folds periods and i think like it's you know they're like a little bit quirky but it's it's popular music but it's different than a lot of what you hear mostly and and like very narrative, like all of his songs are short stories. And I think like similar to what Steely Dan do, like they're a, like very good short story writers in that like my idea of like a great short story is like, you know, it's like these like a couple of brushstrokes that suggest a whole world. Yeah. Um, so uh, but I mean, like I'm pretty eclectic in my taste. Like I'm not um, I don't I'm not very knowledgeable about hip hop, but I enjoy hip hop. Um, uh, uh, they don't. Uh, <laughs> It sounds like, well, and I don't even like to say this anymore. Like, I don't, the like, mainstream country music doesn't appeal to me very much. I like, um, like, there's, now there's, uh, many people are getting, uh, 
popular in whatever I don't know what they call it, like alt country or whatever. But like mm. like the Jason Isbells and the um, the Sturgill Simpsons of the world, like that stuff I love. And you know the old stuff. I mean, this again, this is like the most basic bitch thing. I like everything but country. But like the, I don't know, like the mainstream Nashville stuff doesn't do much for me. I'm not mad at it, but you know it's, it's it doesn't do much for me. But um, but yeah, and then like I don't know, pretty much like everything in between, like. Um, yeah, R and B. I listen to classical music. I like a, a show tune every once in a while. Big fan of Cole Porter. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> how about you? Um, I I feel like I, especially in uh, high school and college, came from well, really in college, like came from almost the exact opposite of Steely mm. Dan, where it's like, what do I like? Noise, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, fucking punk rock. Um, I had a free jazz phase, which drove my friends fucking nuts, <laughs> like playing free jazz in the car while we're like going down the highway. And they're yeah. like, how can you drive to this shit? <laughs> um, I've mellowed considerably yeah. uh, in recent years. I go through disco phases a lot. There's um, good disco. People need yeah. to know that. There's, there's, there's a lot a of lot. bad disco, but there's some great disco. There's a, there's a lot of great disco. Um, uh my I think my ultimate music in college and now is is kind of like Krautrock, like Can and uh, Faust and uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I listen to a lot of that. Uh, yeah, very Catholic tastes. I like I like my uh, electric Miles Davis, like Bitches Ooh, Brew and Get Up with It. Um, I like I like psychedelic stuff, stuff where you can space out a little bit. Yeah. Um, and stuff where noise becomes psychedelic. That's kind of mm. my my perfect uh, point, is the point where a song falls apart and transcends. Yeah. Uh, that's, so Steely Dan is still kind of an anomaly in my taste yeah. a little bit, but um, but still feels of a piece with it somehow. I, you know, I don't have that... Um, like I like some prog and and Krautrock's got some overlap with with prog fans and stuff, but yeah. I've never been somebody who gets off on the technical aspect of stuff. Yeah, which is weird because Steely Dan fans are like, well, actually, like the you know the the real like audiophile ones, the ones that really um, are, are concerned like where everything's coming from and yep. and the musicianship on everything, which I'm not somebody mm-hmm. who's going to be able to be like what he brings to this song. Yeah. Like, I can't talk about it in the terms of like a musicologist, but right. um, I don't know why. Like I associate that kind of thing with like soullessness or tech, you know, like just technique over yeah. uh, feeling. And uh, with Steely Dan, I don't get that. Yeah, it's uh, bizarre. Yeah, like it's so constructed and so controlled and so perfectionist, but like it still it still swings. Like yeah, it still feels like it, it's like one of the things that's sort of maddening about them because like. Well, so yeah, let me like let's briefly so like if you know nothing about Steely Dan, let me get, like let's do like the the briefest sort of like character sketch of like what they are, right? So they started an hour this, into the show. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. But like I think it's I think it's compelling, but yeah, like yeah. I'm I'm glad I'm glad that we got to the personal history because I wanted to do that. But so Steely Dan, like if you don't know, like the first thing is like Steely Dan is not a guy. Uh, the the name comes um, from uh, Naked Lunch, the right. book by William S. Burroughs. It was the name of a sentient <laughs> dildo right. uh, in Naked Lunch. Um, so that's. Where I, they, I think it's just a throwaway part. Yeah. It's not like a big part of the book. It, in my memory, it's like one paragraph, maybe. right? Um, 
Yeah, it's an oblique reference. So uh, Steely Dan, like it's it what it started as five guys that met at Bard College up in New York um, in the late '60s. Um, I mean, it really it started so like it, it started with um, Donald Fagan and Walter Becker um, sort of running in each other, like both these like weird jazz obsessed kids who like found somebody that was as as obsessed with jazz as they were. They started some other band which I don't remember the name of, but like very interestingly, Chevy Chase was the drummer. Yeah, I I want to say they had a band that was called like bad rock band bad jazz band or something which would make total sense yeah like chevy chase played drums for them for a while and like he gave a quote like 10 or 12 years ago that like they were the biggest nerds he had ever met uh and he had a miserable time but chevy chase is a miserable prick yeah he's never had a good time in his life (laughs) his entire life is a miserable time not surprising that he didn't have a good time with these weirdos um so they they but they eventually became this five-piece band Donald and Walter were like trying to make it as songwriters writing songs for other people but like they were like having like just enough success to sort of stay in that world but not enough success to really like get anything going yeah and like, I, I think maybe this is getting ahead of ourselves but I think on Can't Buy a Thrill you can definitely hear some of that yeah. uh, of them trying to while still being in their personality trying to write songs that were sellable and uh, right um, yeah that, yeah, and and so they they had a guy who like really believed in them. I'm forgetting the guy's name, but like there was a producer. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, our Lord and Savior. Um, but uh, there was a guy um, who was a, a record producer, record executive type, who was a big fan of theirs, and he switched labels and he dragged them with him, and then somehow like talked the label into letting them cut a record. So they put this five piece band together. Um, and and made Camp I Thrill and then like so um like over time they like they, they started out like as sort of like any regular band. They were on like American bandstand and they toured and they did stuff, but like over time like they they toured and they made records, but they over time as time went on, they toured less and less and they spent more and more time in the studio. And also they kept dropping members of the band until yeah. like pretty quickly the band was back to just Donald and Walter. And they're pretty famous for just uh, especially in the later records, um, finding session musicians yeah. and musicians they admired, some some pretty big names, yeah. and kind of cycling through them, making them do things over and over again yeah. um, until they got everything right. Yeah. Um, cocaine perfectionists. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and probably other drugs too. I don't want to. Yeah. So like, if you're, I, I, it's, I, I, it's hard for me to imagine this person who like knows a lot about Mark Knopfler but doesn't know a lot about Celia Dan. But if you are that person, for that one person out there, that lady who is a huge uh, Dire Straits fan but knows nothing about Celia Dan, uh, for you, a, a, an interesting anecdote is that they brought in Mark Knopfler to try a guitar solo, and they ended up not using it. They drove him nuts, like making him do, do you know what song? I forget what song it was, but okay. they brought Mark Knopfler, who's like again quite a good guitar player uh uh in and like they're like yeah couldn't couldn't find anything we could use yeah um uh, yeah so that's that's still it and like and like to you you were um uh joe was talking about uh gaucho like gaucho was sort of like asia was like where they sort of perfected that process like uh there's a great quote by like one of the drummers um who was brought in like there's a guy who played drums on two tracks on asia and he talked about like how surreal it was like they were in the studio for three days like burning the the candle at both ends to get this one song done and then he comes in the next day to um to record the next song and it's a completely different band (laughs) 
Like a uh, completely different lineup. It's like the only constants were Walter and 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 Donald. They are the if Steely Steely Dan is not one man, it's right. two. It's two. Yeah. yeah. Although it's interesting, like I was gonna say, like there's that uh, William Gibson that, that there's it's very short. Um, William Gibson's review of um, uh, of Two Against Nature, and I think he's not the only person. I think Donald has done this a little bit too. Donald Fagan wrote this book called Eminent Hipsters about sort of like. His story and the Steely Dan story, but like uh, William Gibson for sure did, and I think Donald Fagan did too, of like referring to this like fictional character that is Steely Dan, or like the band as being like sort of like this energy or like embodiment that is like very creepy <laughs> that comes from them and is separate from them. At yeah, the beyond same their time. control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's Steely Dan. Uh, that's that's the band, and um, and and you've whether you know it or not, you've heard steely dan songs before they have yeah a lot of hits like yeah. they're they're a big band um, <laughs> right yeah um, they were wildly successful like in the 70s they were a bfd they were like huge deal i uh, it took me a second to process <laughs> what bfd means yeah we're like for 30 seconds i decided this was going to be a kid-friendly podcast but like that yeah. 30 seconds is over so yeah big fucking deal yeah um it it's also worth noting, and maybe we should have done this before we we said <laughs> what Steely Dan is. That our our producer Dakota, oh yeah, knows nothing about Steely Dan. Yeah, and uh, I'm kind of curious, like what what you think Steely Steely Dan is, or what you thought it was before we just gave a little gloss on what they were. I thought Steely Dan was a single human. <laughs> okay. Uh, probably a biker. Yeah. Mm. And fascinating. Um, from Texas. Okay. Fascinating. Yeah, Steely Dan is a biker from Texas uh, who plays biker bars, and the, the music is kind of like chunky power chord distortion, kind of but simple like blues based based rhythms. Okay. Um, that's my. Dakota also has been uh, doodling uh, while we're talking yeah. and has drawn some representations of Steely Dan that we will uh, for sure post up on whatever social media we get going once we name this sucker. For sure. Um, and drop this sucker. Uh, but, uh, you know, very much the, the roadhouse character you just described. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, uh, I kind of wish that is what Steely Dan uh, yeah. was a little bit. Um, but I now know it's two people. Yes. It's Steely and Dan. <laughs> Steely that, and Dan. That is what uh, Dakota has learned thus far from our from our uh, survey of Steely Dan. Yeah, because I think, I think this podcast is like Joe and I's attempt to drag a bunch of people that we know or, and maybe hopefully a bunch of people we don't know into into uh, uh, our shared appreciation of Steely Dan. And like, we're super excited that Dakota can literally be the guy in the room who represents uh, all the people that we're dragging into Steely Dan. Yeah. I, it would be cool if the... Steely Dan scholars out there, the people that have been studying this band since yeah. their college years and who have like message boards where it's like guys in their 60s, like, yeah, just fucking searching for every reference in there. It would be cool if those guys listened to this and were like, hey, this is great, a new generation of Steely Dan fans. Yeah. Um, but really, I think we're pitching towards. It's important to us that we we con- uh, convert some people, yeah. Um, because I think there's, if people do appreciate Steely Dan nowadays, there's something ironic about their yeah. appreciation, which I understand, yeah. And that was kind of my way in too, a little bit, yeah. Um, 
until I had my Deacon Blues moment of like, oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a character in one of these songs. Yeah. Or I'm this close to being a character in one of the songs. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've been yeah we've been beating around this a little bit, but this is like one of the things that we 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 blocked out as like a, a point before of like the popular perception of Steely Dan to the right. to the extent that people are aware of Steely Dan, what do they think, right? And like definitely what you're saying of like for most people, if you're aware of them at all, you you lump them in with I don't know Michael McDonald who actually like you know was on a bunch of their um, uh, tracks or um, yeah. like uh, you know who are the guys that do like Sail Away and um, Sticks. Yeah, yeah, sticks and and oh, uh, that's come sail away. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think is it Chris, Christopher Cross or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that sounds right. Anyway, that that whole sort of like oeuvre of like uh, yeah, like yacht rock, like they just get lumped in with all that stuff. But um, although they they were uh, critically, I think, pretty um, revered in their day. Yeah, um, definitely like some a band that like Rolling Stone magazine uh, yeah. has has filleted thoroughly <laughs> and deservedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I get, but so yeah, and we we keep like brushing up against this point of like you have to like you have to either get dragged in or like something has to catch you, but like you sort of like it's like there's like this like surface sheen to Steely Dan that mm. sort of like it's yeah it acts like camouflage or something and it makes it seem like safe and like easy listening and easily digestible and then but it, like once you just like dip your toe in there you're like oh my god this is like a morass of like it's way more complex than I thought it's like every song is dark there's not a happy Steely Dan song yeah and something that trips me up is I spent a lot of my life hearing their songs on the radio and thinking Oh, this is just another classic rock band, right? But they're so the songs are so shot through with jazz and mm-hmm. um, unusual instrumentation yep. and weird structures, and it's like to the untrained ear, though, or even somebody who's not paying full attention. Yeah, it kind of somehow blends in with what's around it a little bit. Yeah. Um, which is bizarre because it's also Donald Fagan, uh, not a great singer. No, um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's fine. It was like I would call it, right. He's like a good front man, not a great singer, certainly. Yeah, yeah. He, um, and the music doesn't sound like anything else. Right. There's, there's, we, we've searched for things like it. If yeah. if you listen to a lot of Steely Dan, your Spotify is going to suggest. Like Little Feet and the Doobie Brothers, <laughs> yeah. which maybe there's a time and place for that stuff, but like for me, that's that's yeah. not scratching the same fucking itch no, um, not, at not all. Um, I mean, I've heard people say that like Steely Dan is the like I've some people say that like there's an argument to be made that Steely Dan is the only successful jazz rock fusion, which is like like they're the only ones that like it on is, the rock side. I would I would throw that in. Uh, well, I guess I, I guess what I think that those people mean when they say that is like everything else that purports to be fusion is still jazz, right? Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it is jazz with some rock elements. Mm. Whereas, like this is the only thing where like it's not a rock and roll song and it's not a jazz song, but it's like heavily influenced by both those things. Yeah. So and it's like it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, again, like I'm not interested in arguing whether or not that's true, but I think that's an interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's like, definitely. It's yeah. definitely a, it's unique for sure. Like you said, like nothing else sounds like that. And and I do think that the biggest Steely Dan fans now may tend to be people who are jazz heads, right? Um, yeah, people who maybe aren't interested in Led Zeppelin or yeah. things like that, right. um, but are more like hip to like. Uh, 
insert jazz guy here you know they're they're into Thelonious Monk or yeah um you know things like that right yeah and I think like just drew a blank on all jazz (laughs) all jazz ever Thelonious Monk the only one um uh, but yeah and like uh great like another hopefully teaser like one of the things that we're interested in doing with this podcast is like um like getting Dakota's perspective um getting different perspectives about people Dan and like we know we happen to you know know a couple of people that are heavily involved in the jazz scene here in Richmond and like I, I I I still don't know like I have a couple of times sort of like furtively searched for like yeah, like the real jazz guys, like what do they think about Steely Dan? Do they think it's a bastardization? Do they think it's like cute? Do they, you know, like what do they think about it? So um, we uh, hopefully, um, uh, as we look for other people to uh, to to sort of tap for like their perception, what I hope to that we can find people that know something about Steely Dan but know a lot about jazz and get um, get what their perception is. Yeah. Um, so before we get to uh, our playlists, our sales mm-hmm. pitches yeah. for Steely Dan. One last thing that I blocked out. I uh, sort of sprung this on you right before the podcast. Um, do you have a thesis statement for Steely Dan? I'll let me hear yours first. Okay, because I know if you got that question, you got you got a yeah. thesis. Yeah, yeah. I I'll, told you. I'll yeah, hear. I built an answer and then built a question for the answer. The question that I built later was, "Do you have a thesis statement for Steely Dan?" Here's my answer: is um, uh, so. Like, this has happened to me several times. Like, there's, like, a, a weird calibration of, like, where, like, I get super enthusiastic about something and I find – I'm, like, looking at somebody who I think is super enthusiastic about something and I go, oh, they really like that. That's cool. I really like that. And then you go and you go you go up to that person and you're like, oh, it's really cool that you like that. And they go, I don't like that. Like, that's not cool at all. I was just being – like, that was just a goof. Yeah. And, like, I think that's, like, every Steely Dan song. Like like you said, like Deacon Blues. Like, the first time that I heard that song, I was like, oh, it would be really cool to be, like, a, a, a gambler, uh, a, 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 you know, like a, a man of the night. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, once you listen to that song two times, you're like, no, like, they're – like, the whole thing is making fun of the person who romantic Like, yeah. they're making fun of some dipshit in the suburbs who thinks that, like, his life would have been better if he was a drunk. Uh, <laughs> and you're like – and I think, like – that's like every level of steely like and like every time you engage with steely dan you're you're never sure like like what does steely dan objectively love like what do donald fagan and walter becker objectively love jazz right yeah <laughs> that like and that's it i guess yes. right um yeah so like that's my thesis statement for steely dan is like they're just like that band that's like you know I don't know. Every time you try to grab a handle of something, they're just like... Uh, they slip right through. Yeah, 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 exactly. So that's my thesis. David. Yeah, there's there's an evasiveness to to them. Mm-hmm. Or, but uh, yeah, I guess my thesis or like the lens that I look at them through yeah. is... These are guys that never got over college. Nope. <laughs> they The resentments they have are from their college years. Yeah. Um, they're... They, um, I look at most of their songs, I think can be looked at through the lens of like, uh, the mindset of an addict or the mindset of, uh, of a perpetual loser. Um, and that they, that, that is very, even as they go on and their songs talk about middle age, it's always from this kind of juvenile perspective um and i say that as a compliment i think that's like a rich vein to tap being like the perpetual smart ass college kid right who loves his jazz records yeah is bitter about his girlfriend right um and just wants to get high well like Um, we said right like i don't think that they are putting those lyrics out there like i don't they don't like no lyric to any of their songs would they say like this is my 
testament on anything, right? Like I think yeah. like they like they they're always half joking. Like they like yeah, like if it if if the lyric says that something is absolutely true, like you can almost for sure say that like they totally disagree with that. Right. Yeah. So it's like I don't think they wouldn't be offended if you were like, right, the perspective in all these songs is like, you know, it's like, yeah, they were like, right, of course, on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And they they I think at the same time, like anytime somebody is half kidding all the time, right. I think they're totally serious on right. some level. Right. No, no, absolutely. Right. There, there were times in my life I know where everything was kind of a joke, mm-hmm. and I would say these things that would, uh, you know, you, you say shit that's like kind of awful. Right. And people are like, "Oh, he's joking." And I used to have this one friend that goes, "Except he's not joking." <laughs> Yeah. He's not joking at all. Right. And I'm drawn to that kind of person still yeah. and that kind of art still where it's like this is taking the piss as the English would say. Right. But it's taking the piss directly onto the target. And, <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. To tangle up some metaphors that I'm not even sure I understand there, but um no, it makes sense to me. Yeah, and I, I think that's like the greatest joke of Steely Dan, right? Is that like it's these two losers that, because of like how sort of out they were, became very interesting mm-hmm. and like very skilled musicians and very skilled composers, and so became the coolest kids. Like you know, by the time Aja comes out, like you said, like Rolling Stone loved them. Mm-hmm. They were like darlings of the music world. Um, like certainly, like the shit that the record labels put up with from them is like insane. Yeah. Uh, like so, they became like the coolest guys in the world for a while, but like they never felt that. Yeah. And maybe that's why, uh, th- maybe that half-joking quality is uh, why people appreciate them ironically right. and are able to appreciate yeah. them ironically. I mean, I think part of it is the uh, how people read the more easy listening side of things, the overproduction of some of the later albums, yeah. um, the jazz stuff. People, for some reason, uh, I feel like today, they they can't take... Jazz and rock mixed as like it's yeah. not respected at all. Right, right. Um, yeah, just it starts off as a joke. Yeah, but maybe it's all right to like it ironically because these guys are ironist. They're they're ironic guys. Um, yeah, like if you read anything that they like, they never give you the sense that they like. I don't know, give a shit about anything that they did. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, like they were super particular in the studio, but like they never were never like yeah. Like they just always seem like it always seemed like they were waiting for the opportunity to make real music or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Like they were very particular about what they did, but like, they never seemed to take it that seriously in terms of like, I don't know, defending it or standing up for it or anything. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, should we, should we get yeah. into our playlist? Yeah. So can I like, do you, do you have, uh, any like story about like how you approached the task? Um, well, I, I approached it as if, I was trying to get myself into Steely Dan because okay. that's the only way I can approach it. Yeah. Um, and for me, it requires it. The process required mixing kind of a few greatest hits in there. Yeah. Uh, some, some songs people may know yeah. and then putting them in further context with maybe a few deeper cuts. Yeah. Although when I look through like their greatest hits compilations, they're pretty weird. Like they, yeah. The emphasis is always seems to be weighted towards the back of the catalog, right? And they're they throw in some songs that I would not think of as the hits. Yeah, there's like um, two or three greatest hits collections. That mm-hmm. the which, and if you don't know, like greatest, like the reason greatest hits collections exist, 
was because like um, you know a band cuts a record and like the the label gets some percentage of that the sales of that record and the band gets some percentage of the sales of that record. The label almost like the band almost never puts together a greatest hits record. Like the label puts together a greatest hits record because they get to like essentially they get to double dip. Like mm. if somebody if if a band can sell a greatest hits record like the it um the label makes essentially makes money twice and they don't really have to pay the band very much right and uh so it's weird like greatest hits record almost never represents what an artist thinks about themselves it's like what the label thinks is going to sell but which, which i agree with you like is even weirder like the songs that they pick like doesn't like they always it seem like they always put green earrings on there and i'm like yeah that's a, like i'm not saying i don't like green earrings but i would never say like oh you've never listened to steely dan check out green earrings yeah <laughs> uh, yeah like that's the one that is like almost a jazz song yeah it, it's it and, gets and like hard bop like yeah yeah um so and and then mine is sequenced. My yeah, it's it's sequenced for maximum effect. So Ooh. don't put this on fucking shuffle, kids. <laughs> Interesting. Um, what about you? What's your what was your process? So like I I was sort of like at a loss at first, and so I was like, let me just start doing something. So like the first playlist that I put together, I had like I ended up making three playlists. Oh, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll only walk you through one. Like I will have yeah, like a final yeah. answer. Yeah, but yeah. like I built three. The first one I was like, my thought was like. Um, let me like you like let me start out sort of to the extent that you can with Celia Dan like sort of light and like happy sounding and optimistic which I mean it's funny like as dark as all their songs get like none of them like I was like I frequently listen to Steely and especially now like getting ready for this podcast I frequently listen to Steely Dan like while I'm running and like none of their songs are bummers yeah maybe like, third world man yeah yeah fair uh-huh. yeah third world yeah but like for the most part, like the music, the the music doesn't bum you out. It, yeah. The lyrics might when like when you sit and digest them, but like the music is always kind of bubbly. Mm. But but so I was like, but still, like let me try to pick like the happier, more upbeat stuff, and then like ease you into the dark stuff that I think is really good and compelling, and then take you back up um, into the into the light again. So I called that one Danner Coaster. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then I was like, but I was like, and then I like I was like felt all proud of myself, and then kind of took a step back and looked at it. I was like, ah, that's crap. And I was like, uh, well, let me just start with the singles. And like mm-hmm. I said, like I just put, to, I was like, let me just see what this looks like. Like here's all the singles. There's a playlist. And I was like, that's actually not bad. Um, so now I just called Grade A Dan, um, yeah. which again you could build for yourself. Just like go look at the singles up through Asia. I I didn't go into Gaucho, like not for any reason, just because like that gets you to about an hour. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, well, okay, like let me, like you said, like let me just build the playlist. Like let me just go through and pick my favorite songs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that won't. This will never be my final answer. But let, let me just build the list for me. And this one I called uh, my own private Danaho. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the more I lived with that list, the more I was like, because I was like, I was like, well, what's the difference between my list and the list that I would give somebody else? I was like, I guess like I just you would you don't want to give the. Um, like a new person, like the weird stuff, like the stuff that's hard to digest. Right. But I was like, but I, I don't drift to any of that stuff either. Like, I mean, again, I like green earrings, but that would never be on my playlist of my favorite dance songs. I was like, my favorite dance songs are those songs that I think are like pretty approachable and for the most, like pretty light and fluffy. So I was like, I think this is my final answer. So like my final answer is my private, my own private dance. Cool. Cool. Do you want to, do you want to go through it? Sure. Take, yeah. yeah I can take, start us, with mine. take, take me on a journey through your, through your, your Dan loves. Yeah. And, and like, and mine is also kind of basic in that, like I didn't do anything in terms of sequencing, um, for effect, like mine are in chronological order. These okay. are like, I was just like looking at a list of like all the Dan songs and like, so like they're just in the order that they were released. So, and, and where can people find this playlist if they're, if oh, good they're point. trying to, uh, listen to it? 
I need to. It is currently out on Apple Music. So friend me on Apple Music. I think like I, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> I, I I don't either. I'm on Spotify. So, uh, but I'm yeah. I'm also on Spotify. So I'll put it up on Spotify, and 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 we'll make sure that the links are there. Um, but yeah, so uh, we'll, it will be up on Spotify. Um, it's currently up on Apple Music. If you're friends with me on Apple Music, you can already see it. Um, but um, so here it is. Starting with um, reeling in the ears, which okay. yeah, and I was, like a couple of these, I have like answers. Like I was trying to do this for all of them, and I can't do it for all of them. But I was like, so reeling in the ears, I think is um, uh, like this is my version of uh, uh, Paul and Storm have this thing. Like uh, Blank is the name of my is my favorite Blank cover band. Um, Wait, who has this? Uh, there's a there's like a sort of like a novelty music act called Paul and Storm, and okay. they do this bit at their live shows where like they'll just be like they'll be like talking on stage and they'll be doing a banter. Like the one time I saw them, they were like talking between songs, and they mentioned um, the emo kids in the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they were like, well, this one goes out for the emo kids in the corner, and then um, I think Storm said that, and then Paul immediately jumped in and said, "Oh, emo kids in the corner is my favorite Cure cover band." Okay, you know, so it's <laughs> nice. like blank, and they sell yeah. T-shirts that say "Blank is my is my favorite blank cover band." I like that. Um, so this is like my version of that. For this is um, so um, reeling in the years is um, uh, the best song the Eagles never wrote. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty accurate. Uh, and reeling in the years, like right. If you've heard three Dan songs, you've probably heard reeling in the yeah. years. It's it's off their first record. It's like very light and fluffy. Um, uh, and uh, but killer I, I, guitar. Yeah, yeah. It's got this. I, I it, like this comes up a few times. But like, I love a doubled guitar line, mm-hmm. and that one comes like a couple of times. And like, uh, uh, yeah, super fun. Uh, second one. This is the one that like I never would have thought I would put on a a, a first uh, like a, a new a, a Dan rookies playlist but the more i thought about it the more i was into it um kings okay i really wow. like kings and, and so my pitch for kings is uh, kings is the best song elton john never wrote okay yeah it's <laughs> yeah, maybe more dead on than the other one yeah <laughs> yeah um uh bodhisattva is number three which I, like maybe my favorite dance song i played it at my wedding like uh like <laughs> while you were coming down the aisle not uh, while we were coming down the aisle but you know like after the wedding at the reception like when when they when they're like ladies and gentlemen the bride and groom like you know first they announced the wedding party and they're like yeah the best man the best like like we played bodhisattva during that hell yeah um i yeah. was actually thinking about that on the way over how much Steely Dan did Scott play at as well? <laughs> Plenty is yeah, the answer. Yeah. Um, I wanted to play like the. Have you heard the live Bodhisattva with like the drunk guy that was their roadie? I don't think so. Oh, I'll, I'll, that's a dumb story. Eventually, we'll get to it in the podcast. But um, yeah, so Bodhisattva, which is like um, it's like a surf rock song, but a Steely Dan surf rock, like a very jazzy surf rock song. Yeah. Um, so I guess like that's the greatest song that Dick Dale and the Thunders never wrote. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Showbiz Kids, which I think is like that's the one that's like been burning in my ear like and it's like that's their most like biting song yeah um, it's it's like a hard driving song yeah. too it's yeah i love that it's like smoldering it's like quietly angry yeah um oh man it's it's a vicious and so good um i don't know who that like that's i don't know the best song lou reed never wrote maybe eh, that's a reach i'll yeah. accept it <laughs> works out that way um, uh, King of the World. Um, Hell yeah! I don't like. It's funny. Like the uh, the any major dudette will tell you they were talking about this song and they were talking about how weird and atonal it is. And I was like, it is weird. Like there's like the weird like uh, synth line and stuff. But I was yeah. like, but it's not atonal. Like I find it super melodic. Yeah, that, that yeah, that doesn't add up. Another reason why that podcast is going down. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, but King of the World also like um, exposes. The, I mean, the, it, it, it does the most to expose. Um, 
uh, Steely Dan is like huge sci-fi nerds, which they absolutely are. Mm. Uh, but like that is the one where it's like it's it's, it's a post-apocalyptic story. Yeah, that's what the song is. Uh, and then uh, any major dude will tell you, fuck yeah, yeah. It's just a great song. It's like yeah. their most like um, nice song. Absolutely. It's yeah. like it is it is somebody talking somebody off of a bad trip. That's what the song is. Yeah. Um, and it's just like very pleasant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, that it's maybe the only song that I can think of in their discography that is a pure expression of friendship. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very. Uh, there's no, nothing else like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like the least dark song ever. Yeah. Except it's about, about a bad trip. Yeah. Um, uh, then uh, the Steely Dan autobiography in one song, "Bad Sneakers." Oh hell yeah. yeah! Yeah, it's like the story. Like I love that. I loved the music of that song. That was just one that would catch my ear anytime I heard. it. It's like, oh yeah, I love listening to that song. And then when you process the lyrics and you're like, oh, this is the story of Steely Dan becoming for going from a five man band to a two man band. Oh, I've got to I've got to go back and listen to it. The now. opening lines, I, the, the opening line. I didn't know this until like I read up on it. But like the opening lines of the song, five names that I can barely stand to hear, including yours and mine, and one more chimp who isn't here. And it's oh. like it's them in L.A. writing about them in New York. Yeah, that's like wow. what it is. Yeah, is Katie Lied the first album they made in California? It's uh, a good question. I don't like. There's there's something different about yeah. that album, and I it's one that I've been I I hit quite often lately yeah um, we'll get to that one right right yeah. but it's, it's a, that's a great thing to put a thumbtack in is like th- another way to talk about silly dan is like they were simul at, at different points in their career like simultaneously a new york band and a california band yeah um so bat sneakers um then um this might i don't know i could say this about any of them but i had to put dr will in here oh, <laughs> yes yeah it's just like I, that's the one like i can't help but sing along to yeah it's so good and it's got like the great um there's there's a bunch of Steely Dan songs um, where he like has a line that sort of tumbles and it sounds like the rhythm of the line is like falling apart. Um, uh, but uh, now I can't even think what the line is in Doctor Wu. But like um, I don't know, that, it, it, just a great song. Uh, and then uh, the one that we were talking about when we first started talking about this podcast, um, "Sign In Stranger." Mm-hmm. That's another sort of. Uh, it sounds angry, like it's got the the, the, the line in the voice. Won't you sign in, stranger? His voice is already like Donald's the voice way is the already. Piano hits when he's yeah, dun, 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 yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The heavy attack on the piano. It's just yeah, it's weird. It's like the song is not angry, but like the it's yeah, like he's got like a heavy attack on mm-hmm. the vocal and on the piano, um, and it's another sci-fi song. Uh, the one that we were both talking about, how we had been listening to a bunch, Haitian Divorce, which oh, like yeah. the more I listen to that song, the more I love it. Like holy crap, what a great song! Uh, and then uh, taking it back, like it's funny, like for uh, Aja especially, like I really do love the singles more than the deep cuts. Um, so I like I rounded it out with Black Cow and Peg. Hell yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that's my uh, that's my own private demo. Yeah, that's a great great playlist. Yeah, I'm uh, curious to see how much overlap there's going to be. There are, I think, two or three songs, Ooh. and you you put some songs that narrowly missed my... Yeah. Um, there's only one song that will not be represented on either playlist that I feel like we should push people to, but we'll get to that. Ooh, okay. Um, I titled mine, which also could double as my thesis statement for uh, Steely Dan. Yeah. Mine is called Bitter Boomer Addict Jazz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a Steely Dan sampler. You can find this on Spotify. Nice. Um, first track. It's the first thing we're going to talk about. Um, first track, first album. Do it again. Ooh, um, I've been sleeping on the song. I'm. This is why it's great that we're doing this podcast because, like, I never would have given that song. I mean, hopefully, I would have because it was on your list. Mm-hmm. But I never would have given that song the attention that it deserves 
unless right. I like stopped and listened to it. Yeah, it's a it's a song that I remember hearing by them. Yeah, and thinking it's on the radio. One of their big singles. Yeah, and I always just thought it was a Santana song. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Best song Santana ever wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but it's it's got a good groove. Yeah, this just. Monster Denny Diaz electric sitar, sitar, uh, sitar solo. Yeah, and it, for me, sums up their cynical worldview, yep. the the addict fatalism in three legible verses. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing, nothing hiding there. Yeah, yeah. Um, second cut, I go a little deeper. Um, everyone's gone to the movies from Katie Live, <laughs> which. <laughs> Fascinating. Um, listen to Ply Playlist first. That's my yes. only recommendation. Definitely listen to Joe's, but listen to Ply first. Well, this uh, <laughs> I, this song it, it has maybe the biggest disconnect between yeah the good vibes in the music <laughs> yeah and the the lyrics, which are fucking disgusting. Yeah, I don't want to tell you what the song is about, but it you because you can listen to it the first couple times. Yeah. And it feels like you're falling in love. And then when you realize what the lyrics are, you realize how disturbing that is. Yeah. Um, There's like steel drums. Yeah, it's it's got steel <laughs> drums. It's it's a playful sounding song, even joyous, I would say. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 disturbing. Um, Joe's gonna take you right in to yeah. the dead. Uh, then from there, I, I'm going to go another kind of deep cut with Razor Boy from uh, yeah, Countdown Yeah, that's Ecstasy. one I wanted to be on my list. Uh, something I've been listening to a lot lately. Yep. Um, this one, you've got, they brought in this guy, Ray Brown, legendary bassist, doing acoustic double bass on the mm. song. Um, you got vibraphone. It's very jazzy. And then there's this steel guitar solo uh, yeah. that's just like, it. it's... The lyrics are as scathing as anything they've written, yeah. but there's a tenderness to the song that yeah. I think the steel guitar brings in. Um, yeah, and his vocal delivery. I mean, it, it's, yeah. like, it's sort of like it's like it's hard news, but told from this place of like, "Oh, you sweet summer child." Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe a little bit of an anomaly, but a, a song that I really think like I just fucking love it and wanted to put it on the yeah on, yeah. In like, the playlist. So there, there are days when I think Razor Boy is like the best encapsulation of Steely Dan as a whole. Yeah, back when they still gave a shit about anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, then I'm gonna go into Time Out of Mind. Uh, yeah, great song. Which the one song that I was referring to earlier that didn't make either of our lists is Hey Nineteen, which uh, is one yeah. of their biggest hits, probably. Um, but for me, Time Out of Mind is kind of taking Hey Nineteen slot. Um, again, an incredibly dark song about heroin. Um, yeah, although it's, yeah, I mean, it's like, but like the, I mean, the perspective of the narrator is like, we're having a great time. And it sounds like it. It is one of the yeah. most fun Steely Dan songs, yeah. I think. Um, you can dance to it and you're, yeah. you can dance to it like a dork. Like it's not, <laughs> yeah. you're not getting, this is one that you should have played at your wedding. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I should have. <laughs> um, then I went King of the World. We got yeah. some overlap there. Great song. Um, you know, as you said, sci-fi. Uh, you, you can see the sci-fi nerds. Yeah. And I think one of the great cruising around songs. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something about the... It makes me think of the Weather Channel a little bit. Like, just Ooh. the, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ethereal, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's if you're driving around at night, 
no matter where you are, uh, King of the World is a is a great track. Yep. Um, track six. This is this was kind of the last one that I added. This this one got put in last and okay. got put in above Haitian Divorce as my uh, Royal Scam cut, which was uh, Kid Charlemagne. Um, yeah. Which has only grown on me recently, but is kind of a perfect jazz. Yeah, uh, rock funk fusion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a an acid chemist. Uh, yeah, it's about yeah, like they, this famous yeah acid uh, cook. Uh, yeah. they, they, uh, what's they, his name? Owsley or something yeah. like that. But everybody calls him like Grateful Dead's acid cook. But yeah, yeah. Um, and the the fact that it came out in 1976 and it's a song about yeah. you know the 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 end of kind right. of that era in a way um, feels perfect. Also famously sampled by uh, Kanye West. I was going to say, for yeah, new, for, for, for the kids, yeah. uh, this is the hip way in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, then for track seven, maybe the most obvious cut, although it, and and also kind of fits into, it was either this or reeling in the years yeah. for me, which is my old school. Yeah. Uh, uh, which... Yeah. Again, as I said, these guys never got over fucking college. Right. The song is about a drug bust in their college days. Yep. Um, uh, after that, I got Josie uh, from from Asia, which I think is maybe the coolest Steely Dan song. Josie? Yeah. Huh. Uh, I don't know why. It's when, The first time I heard it, I remember heard it outside of a skating rink, which feels right. Yes, and, uh, super right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I wasn't going to the skating rink. We were just like outside of it. <laughs> I think by. we were picking up my sister or something, and it was yeah. on the radio. But uh, I don't know. There's there's something. Oh, the chorus. You know what it is? Like I'm not thinking about the. I'm just thinking about the verse. The verse is like so kind of like twelve bar blues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the chorus is like. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know if I want to say it's funky, but it's there's, there's something. Yeah. Yeah, it's to me a really cool song. Yeah. Um, and I think it was a single. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Like, I'm always surprised that, like, because I think Peg was not a single. Yeah. Something. There's, yeah. A, there's a song on there, or maybe, I don't know. But there's a, there's a song in Agent that I'm always surprised wasn't a single, and then I'm right. always surprised Josie was a single. Yeah. yeah. Um, any major dude yeah. uh, for number nine. And, <laughs> like, when Mac DeMarco says, like, I'm a Steely Dan fan, this is what he's... <laughs> he's talking about His entire song. career is just trying to make... A song as good as any major dude will tell you. <laughs> yeah. Is something I always try to figure out with this song is that little like doo Is that like a classical thing or like an English folk thing? You know, the the kind of uh Oh man. Now we're definitely gonna have to get this into the into the episode, but like I'm trying to remember what you're thinking. The, oh, oh, yeah. The, the little guitar the little thing that chases the, yeah, yeah. The, the chorus. Yeah, it almost, yeah, I don't know. Because it's like, it's kind of like a soft folk rock yes. song. And then, um, then there, it's like, oh, yes, but we are music nerds. Like, yeah. this is our little, like, uh, we're following the queen around and we're going to play a little, uh, yeah, little, little ditty for her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Maybe you know. Maybe that's just showing the the limits of my musical knowledge. But a, a great song. Um, yeah, because it almost sounds like it's being played on harpsichord or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's so like yeah, dainty and yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a, a great song. And then I I close it out with Deacon Blues, which as yeah. we said before, like to me, it's just the that's the culmination of Steely Dan for me. At least at this point, 
I'm, you know, there may be a point as we're going through this show where I realize, like, Green Earrings is the ultimate <laughs> Steely Dan song. That's like, we're done with this podcast when, when we both say at the same time, Green Earrings is my yeah. favorite Steely Dan song. We, uh, we look at each other and nod and <laughs> it's happened. separate ways. <laughs> um, people might wonder that something we've left out is Steely Dan made a comeback. Uh, yeah. Or don't call it a comeback, but. It's been here for years. Um, but they they returned in what two thousand? I think literally, yeah. Well, two thousand was the with the year the record dropped. Yeah, yeah. With with this this album, Two Against Nature, yep. which uh, won a shitload of Grammys, yeah. um, and uh, I think brought on a resurgence in Steely Dan, but also in Steely Dan backlash, probably yeah. for a new generation. Right. Um, I have not listened to later Steely Dan yet. Um, I'm looking forward to getting to it. Yeah. But part of me is also afraid to get to it. I don't know how much you've dabbled in late Steely Dan. I've spun Two Against Nature a couple of times, and they did another one after that called, which, I mean, it's sort of like, Two Against Nature, I think, was like another serious take on them. Like, it was another serious effort from them. I do think it's like, I agree, like like you said, like Gaucho, I mean, Aja felt like they got to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for like Asia came out in 77, Seven. Yeah. right. And it was their fifth album. And like every, like, like we said, like there's a lot, like Asia is almost objectively their best record. Yeah. I would say, well, we'll, we'll get back to this, but if, if instead of a playlist, we wanted to just say like one Steely Dan record to listen to, it would be Asia. Yeah. Um, um yeah. And it's like everybody, like they, you know, everybody's like, if you want to test a high end stereo, everybody's, mm-hmm. it's always like this one Brahms concerto and then Asia by Steely Dan. Yeah. Um, it's like a perfect recording technically. Um, anyway, but it felt like Asia was like, they, they, they fully developed. They fully achieved everything that they were capable of. And then they made one more record, Gaucho, which was like similarly, like certainly technically great, maybe even more technically great. But yeah. like it, it felt like it felt like people who were checking out. It felt it's like dead a good, It felt like a goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and yeah, not a, not a particularly heartfelt goodbye or like a warm goodbye. But um so yeah, it's like it's, just because that felt so final, it felt weird. Although at least it, it, like Gaucho came out in '80, so it was 20 years mm. uh, before they released another record. I've spun it. It's yeah, just it it doesn't doesn't grab me enough to want more from right, them after right. Gaucho. It's it's fine. It still sounds like Steely Dan. Um, uh, and then they cut another record called Everything Must Go, which I think was that was really just like a cash play. It yeah, was just like we've I, got some stuff laying around the vault. I, I was doing a little YouTubing the other day and found this video that came along with the Everything Must Go uh, yeah. CD. And it's them in the back of a cab riding through Las Vegas and picking up younger women and yeah. talking to them about oh. Steely Dan. Oh. It's not as gross as it sounds, <laughs> oh, but it good. is totally bizarre experience yeah. where they're like, it's hard to tell how much of it is scripted. Yeah. Um, that That's another subject for further research that we should look at. Yeah. Is uh, the supplements to right. everything must go. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, but yeah, um, so right, they, they record a couple more records, but yeah, neither of us have spent that much time with them. Although, like, I'm like, the stuff, like, you know, we, we referenced a couple times this thing, William Gibson, the thing that William Gibson wrote was a review of Two Against Nature. Mm-hmm. But his take, I mean, it seemed like a friendly take from a friend, which was like, I want more Steely Dan, this is more Steely Dan. He didn't right. seem like super enthusiastic about it, but he was yeah. like, yeah, it's more Dan. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just felt like we should throw yeah. that in there for anybody who's like, well, why aren't they talking about <laughs> Cousin Dupree? Why do they act like he died? Yeah, like, um, 
Yeah, no, we'll get we we will get to that. Like, yeah, assuming uh, uh, the assuming no other uh, 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 disasters or anything, um, uh, we we won't like stop ourselves just because we got to uh, to Gaucho right. or uh, got past Gaucho. But um, yeah, so uh, I feel good. How do you feel? I feel pretty good. I guess all that remains is what what are we what oh, homework yeah. are we assigning one another yeah yeah i still i don't feel great about this but like i feel good enough about about um so anyway so so next week feel good about what my my piece of media oh okay my homework okay. um uh, just like in terms of like the link like i i this i'm i can very enthusiastically recommend this piece of media i will i will i like i'll be maybe a little surprised if you haven't already seen it but um uh, but anyway, so uh, just to tee it up. So next week will be our first sort of like regular format episode. We're doing side one, track one off of the first album. So first album, uh, Can't Buy a Thrill, uh, released on ABC Records in 1972. Yep. Uh, side one, track one, their first big single, Do It Again. We talked yeah. uh, a yeah. little bit about it. The, um, the, the Santana sound. Yeah, one. yeah. The best song Santana ever wrote. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So that's so again, and, and uh, I um, spent like uh, like there was like one day where like anytime I was like free, I was listening to Do It Again. Mm-hmm. Um uh, so, uh, do you want me to, to announce mine? Yeah. Okay. Let's hear it. So we said, we said like, it's the song, it's at three verses. It's mostly about addiction. Uh, but like the first verse is about, um, a guy getting revenge in like, I don't know, it could be the old West or it could be like medieval times or yeah, something. Yeah. Uh, but there's that. And then the second verse is about, um, infidelity. Mm. Uh, it's about like uh, your lover cheats on you with your best friend, so you try to cheat with a young girl, and that's unfulfilling. Uh, and then the third verse is about gambling addiction. Um, so, like all of that, I was like, it felt I, I I was I wanted to find something that tied all of that together, and I didn't find anything that did. But I was like, okay, like the first part is like a western, or can be read as a western, and it's like the dark side of the western. And so, uh, my recommendation is uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Okay, yeah. Because it's yeah. the dark western. Uh, this is interesting because my suggestion is Inside Lewin Davis oh! by the Coen brothers as well. Who I think, wow. talking about, the more I think about it, talking about the Coen brothers and Steely Dan, there are some real interesting uh, parallels to look at. Ooh. Um, and without, I mean, I'll get more into my justification for it okay. on the episode itself. Yeah. Um, but... Something about that idea of you're just going to keep doing it again uh, for anybody who's seen Inside Lewin Davis. Awesome. Um, have you have you seen it? I have, but I'm okay. super excited to, to watch it again. Yeah, I, I just watched it again to make sure that um, uh, that it fit, and I, I I found enough there to to make it interesting. And I actually thought about the Ballad of Buster Scruggs too. And you've um, already seen it. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking forward to watching it again because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the uh, That's, I'm so excited. I feel way better about my pick now that we both stumbled on Coen Brothers. Yeah, and I should say that the first time I saw Inside Lewin Davis, hated it, absolutely hated it. Okay, but then at the end, I was like, "Fuck, this is I'm gonna have to go back." <laughs> I don't have to go back, and I finally did. And uh, it's also a great call because yeah, of course. Like, and one thing I love the music on Inside Lewin Davis. Mm-hmm. I love those songs. Yeah. I keep trying to find. I, I keep trying to find a copy. I know you can. It's not like I tried that hard, but like I, I, I like have several times tried and failed to get my hands on a copy of the soundtrack. Yeah, I. The, some, we'll get into this more next week. But, yeah. Uh, some, if anything holds me back from fully loving the movie, 
it's something about the music. But we yeah. <laughs> we can uh, no yeah. totally agree. Yeah, yeah, we should save summer for for next yeah. week. But that's awesome. Oh, that's I'm I'm very excited now that yeah. we both came up with Coen Brothers movies. Yeah. Can I ask? Did you consider making the homework Naked Lunch? Uh, no, I did. You just, the, Be- did the idea even pop in your head? Uh, no, because okay. I. I read it a long time ago. Yeah. I don't think I want to read it again. Uh, yeah. It's good, but... Uh, I've never read it, and I just... It was just... It was so on the nose. It's like the... You know, Steely Dan came from Naked Lunch. Although, like you said, it was like a throwaway. It's not mm-hmm. like... Um, and then, like, I was sort of, like, reading a couple of things about Naked Lunch, and everybody was like, yeah, it's, like, really... It's, like, very place and time. Like, mm-hmm. everybody always, like... it would Like, everybody says, like, it's weird to read now. Like, because it's... It's, it's uh... The way it's structured, it's it's very it gets very repetitive. It's a book, one of those books where you you're kind of like, oh, I get get the idea, right? Um, at and the least legend, in my memory. Uh, and the legend of the book, right, is that like he woke up after ten years and didn't remember the last ten years because yeah, he's a some, junkie, something like that. And like he was surrounded by all these notebooks, and the notebooks contained naked lunch. Yeah, that's I'm sure that's like somewhat if not totally apocryphal but that's like the legend of that book right uh and it if anybody is interested in naked lunch but uh maybe it's not a reader i'll say i was that gonna ask the cronenberg adaptation of it is both a, a really good kind of overview of the burroughs myth okay um and the the sick burroughs reality <laughs> yeah. and and a pretty good adaptation and a kick-ass cronenberg movie all in all in one and uh and it stars robocop right and it stars robocop <laughs> who is fucking great in it peter um, weller yeah, yeah yeah um so but, you know maybe, maybe that's what i'll do i'll skip the book i'll watch the movie i haven't seen i've done neither so far yeah uh, the the movie i i i really love cool. um but yeah i guess is that a wrap i think so Dakota, what do you feel like you learned about Steely? That <laughs> <laughs> it's two people, Steely and Dan. Yeah, and they have a song called Haitian Divorce. They do. Yes, uh, a, a really great song. You should listen to it. I will one day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Joe. Yeah. Thank you, Scott. Thank yeah. you, producer Dakota. Thank you, Dakota. No Thank you, uh, all of you out there in uh, Radio Land. Yeah, and uh, listen, listen to do it again uh, about five times in a row before you listen to our next episode because we're going deep. We're going deep. All right. Good night. Mark Henry, Elizabeth McGovern, John Larroquette, Keanu Reeves, Barbara Hershey, and Peter Falk. Excuse me, sir. There's an Albanian outside, and he's doing something unnatural to your German shepherd. In the outrageous comedy, tune in tomorrow.